basic is a shooter. I'm not sure what you mean, but yeah. I agree with you. Though I <laughs> they couldn't crack on shit because they would not be able to make something as cool as this. Like I said, people want to do things. So glad to have all of you here and introducing all my besties again. That's Paras, that's Taranj, that's Manik. Avinash is joining us remotely today. So today, guys, uh, we have some interesting topics to discuss with you all. Just like every other week, uh, some new events have happened in the world of big corporations. I wouldn't call Amazon a startup now. Sure <laughs> so, it's still, still they say that it's day one. So, so yeah, some, some. So we're gonna uh, take care of topics from Amazon to the mass layoffs that we are going to have uh, in the future, as well as what we have had in the recent past weeks in the Indian startup ecosystem. And uh, then we are going to cover uh, why these layoffs are happening, what is the cause of it, and uh, what people like you, me, all of us can do so that we don't lose our jobs. Uh, so we'll start off with Amazon, right? And so, Saranj, would you like to tell what is the big news about Amazon? Yeah, so it's finally official that, you know, Bezos has finally stepped down as the CEO of Amazon, right? And uh, new people are going to fill the shoes. So big, big news. Someone who has been heading the company for about, I think, more than what, 22 years now? Right? Yeah, 28. Uh, 20, 20, 20, 20, wow, 28, 77 years and then finally, he's obviously taken the company to a manner. I don't know, like how many companies he's opened within that same branch, scales that he's achieved with each of those businesses and finally deciding to venture into new passions, follow new passions. I'm sure, you know, more into, I think, space exploration mm -hmm. and other things, right? And he decides like the, the rockets. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the rockets. Uh, like, let's see. Let's see what all new passions he has. Yeah. Because he said that uh, I want to take on more time from my other passion, right? And so in those direction. So, so what he has done is he's told now that he's going to become an executive chair, which we all know what it means, right? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of free time. <laughs> so he stepped down as CEO. Uh, so what are your guys? What, what are your big thoughts? That where would the Bezos time? be spent now in the next, let's say, five years, ten years, is he going to go head on with Elon uh, yeah. creating his big That's profits? A time, no? <laughs> Blue origin. No, but yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll share an anecdote with you about mm -hmm. this Amazon thing, which happened like right this morning. So my dad suddenly calls me and he's like, Haras, uh, have you seen Amazon stock? It has gone down uh, because the CEO has stepped down. It's like, how down it has gone? It's like, it's 95 percent down. <laughs> Then I got to it was a stock split. So I had to explain him that Amazon had gone through a stock split. That's why the share price was down from like $2,200 to $120. Yeah. He thought Visa is getting down, can get the stock down by 95%. Yeah. Company <laughs> I want to say something about it. That before we talk about, you know, that what will Bezos be doing next, I think something that is a huge, huge thing uh, you know which happened in the u.s startup ecosystem is that the founder actually continues to be the ceo he reinvents himself again and again with the changing environment with the changing situations and yet he proves it so i think that's very inspiring first of all when we see mark zuckerberg you know people like elon musk and now even jeff bezos who retains as a ceo for such a long time otherwise we always hear it right that as a company grows and it dilutes too much that Usually the investors decide that who should be the new CEO and, you know, founder sometimes becomes irrelevant for that, uh, for that growth. So I think that's kudos to Jeff Bezos on that, first of all. And yeah, it's very inspiring in that way. Actually, Avinash, just wanted to tell you guys, in 97, uh, Jeff and, you know, the board at that point of time decided that Jeff would not be the best person to be the CEO. And he did step down for two to three months. And I think that's where John Doerr gets the legendary status that he does, where he came back and said, no, Jeff should be the CEO again. Like the other guy is not capable enough to be the CEO position. I think that is the first time when he was having a child 
and that is when we took a break and he was deciding does he still want to be the CEO mm-hmm. or there could be someone else. Mm-hmm. I think what's the best culture in the valley is the fact that the founders wants the company to grow irrespective. So they're not attached to the CEO position but sometimes they are the best people to run it. There is no denying the fact that the vision a founder can have is not easy to replicate or the enthusiasm for everything is very difficult and it's I mean you, we can see it right like we know for a fact how it's also the motivation and the long-term game we can think of most people don't think in the long-term sense most people are very short-term players when you're playing a short-term game you expect short-term results mm-hmm. and that is where the founder vision comes into play because then if you even start a company you're thinking of 10 years minimum I think something very beautiful is happening here that you are trying to jump to future and I think every founder has learned so much from Jeff Bezos without meeting him ever mm-hmm. that we want to talk yeah. about what he has done yeah. first yeah. than jumping it straight like his letters are work of art absolutely and recently I was just reading his yeah. shareholder letter uh, which he has posted uh, as the last uh, shareholder letter as a CEO and he's literally jotted down the kind of wealth he has created and of course his team and everyone at Amazon split by split for shareholders uh, it was around 20 billion for employees it was around 35 billion for back in supply 95 billion and then for the end customer 115 billion the kind of discounting and cost saving and everything so he said that in around 2020 from 2020 pandemic till now the company has created around 310 billion dollars of net wealth for all of these people and that is why he runs what he runs and that was his whole vision right it's not only driving on profits and the money in the bank or what you take home it's ultimately that crazy passion to bloody show up every day and Probably, probably the numbers even don't do the justice to it. Probably the yeah. impact is much more. I'm yeah. pretty sure the value is created in the world is much more than the valuation that Amazon commands should have. Great and time, dusky or anything, right? So at the end of the day, Leaf Studios as a venture is a product that yeah. started yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. We built Leaf on top of Amazon, and imagine how many such leaves he has helped kickstart. One plus has been brought. Forget Leaf. Forget. I mean. I don't know. We can't never forget. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My bad. Never forget. But uh, look at the AWS because we are looking at it from a very e-commerce viewpoint. But look at AWS, and the current CEO kind of justifies that AWS is bigger than the Amazon itself, mm-hmm. and the amount of companies which have scaled on AWS. It's so much simpler to open a SaaS company right now than the internet boom when you had to actually buy servers. Can yeah, you imagine like your majority cost of your yeah. I was reading up a book and I read like the majority cost of our investment yeah. is to buy servers. Yeah. And it never made sense. Why will you buy servers? Mm-hmm. You need to understand what Amazon has done. It's done something which has which has democratized technology being utilized in a way. Specifically AWS. I think AWS was a game changer. It still is. I think every like there are other platforms which has caught up to it, but it still provides the I give $100,000 of credit to every startup for 3 years. One point that I remember very discreetly was that one of the top management of Swiggy was talking about that they need to find their AWS. If you just understand from that angle, you know, that AWS became the cash uh, generating wing for Amazon at a, such a big scale. Why can't you say cow? Why can't you say cash cow? What is wrong with saying cash cow? <laughs> <laughs> Politically correct, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I think this cow has like become so huge that it can't be called yeah. as a cash cow anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's as huge as the dairy industry in the world. Yeah, but, but you know what I'm always inspired by and I like to live by those rules as well. Like the kind of long-term thinking of Jeff Bezos, right? He does not think on the scale of two years, three years. He thinks on the scales of decades. <laughs> 10 years is bare minimum on what he'll think. Just to be at a stage, at that stage where you're commanding a company of $1.6 trillion or more and thinking on the scale of decades, not 10, 20, 30, 50, probably 50 years yeah. and having that insight and intellect in this rapidly changing world, which changes every two years, right? Uh, to deliver this. Yeah, to, to deliver 
what he has sought it is insane man like just imagine what it takes to be that now that you have said that right like i was thinking of everything which amazon has in done well look at the fire everyone remember the fire phone which said yeah yeah the yeah the fire phone the amount of failed experiments that define amazon and yet the successful ones are crazy huge right mm-hmm. aws happened because there were 10 different things which failed yeah i think the amount of risk taking ability to have the balls to fail over and over again at that size at that size yeah. at that scale yeah. when you're also an ipo company when you're listed down when everyone's going to ask you questions yeah most people don't experiment that often yeah. also also like the shareholder value is so so jeff always says that uh, we can be judged by our past but we can never create value by our past right so, so he says that the the real value which we are going to create is uh, represented as the stock price based on future earnings discounted to present date and when you think on 50 year scale just imagine the kind of value you can create correct and that's one thing like right at the end like alexa a new category right people then started uh, creating anything alexa is the first product right? google com mm-hmm. Google came out a little later. Yeah, Google's part. I mean, it was almost at the same time yeah. because uh, Google Assistant was there and there was Siri also. They didn't think of it in a speaker format. Yeah, but that's what changed it, right? Because at the end, embedding that in special devices, it was Nest which changed it. Which yeah, like right. getting it to the scale of an Alexa and then into I think now they're entering into all the smart kitchen where. Yeah. Then, uh, so you know, I think that's going to be a huge business. AWS obviously. Funny how I read it once that he doesn't even. Take care of these decisions because these won't lie in that window of ten years. These are already these are absolutely like these are happening. Yeah, two, three, five years. So my job is to take decisions about things which will pan out years later, not in tomorrow. I just can't even. It's it's trying to you guys know any like like one couple of decisions that you took that were like ten years? Yes, I know one. So Amazon has invested one billion dollars in this. Amazon on the backbone is a transportation company, guys. Right? It moves goods. Yeah. It is invested in Rivian, which is a autonomous autom- trucking company. One billion dollars, right? And this he invested about five, five, six years ago. What's the autonomous company? Is it like self-driven? Yeah. Self-driven. Yes. Yes. Autonomous trucks. Drones. They have started investing yeah. very well. And then at the bare basic, he's a motherfucking executor. Like he would go hard at it because. And, and then he would do do that shit by stepping in with his own bare hands is what I felt always with respect to any new project. And I still know that whenever a new project start, he goes into it himself. Very similar to what Elon does, right? But Elon go, does it ten times ten x better because he becomes the chief engineering officer and the CTO. The what, what is it called? The chief, uh, the chief of coin? No, no, that that was not. What was his title? Being engineer, you master of coin is what is title. I'm not sure what do you mean, but yeah. I agree with you. Though I <laughs> chief engineering officer. Yeah. No, he they use that. Uh, he used to be the chief engineering officer. Yeah. But like, I don't agree with you. I think Elon and Jeff are two very different people. Right. And I don't say one is better than the other because both have created or accumulated wealth over a period of time in very different manners in a very different environment. I think Elon could do a lot of things he could because Jeff existed, not the other way around. Mm. Like when Amazon started in '94, it was a game changer. And the next, the struggles of because they were pre-internet uh, bubble space, right? They were five years before the pre-internet bubble had actually expanded. Mm. Netscape had just happened and then crashed. They went through all of that. They went through the internet bubble. They went through the 2008 recession, mm. and they are still strong. Whereas Elon, or even Tesla, right? Like Elon has had successes, and then he stayed low for a while, mm-hmm. then gone ahead and did something. I think it's a different journey. Mm-hmm. I don't want to compare either of it. I don't even want to compare how they build teams because they both build fantastic teams. Yeah. And the cultures are different. Culture reflects you, and both of the like we are friends in Amazon, right? Being engineers, you do have friends in Amazon, and you do have friends in SpaceX, and the culture kind of reflects who they are. Yeah. So, in fact, I hear two kinds of narratives with respect to culture of Amazon. Right? Mm-hmm. One is that they're fucking hardcore. They make people cry on supply lines, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> people do not see their family for days. On the second, on the second hand, Amazon has launched this, bil- has invested a billion plus dollars in their initiative called Working Well, 
where they are enabling a lot of work from home and remote jobs. Uh, so, and, and our friends tell that it's a beautiful culture, like exactly what we have heard. So, I am kind of confused on what is the truth or the reality if anyone has any. The best right. part about the truth and the reality for the whole thing because I've had friends who actually are absolutely you know bullshit about the whole Amazon culture mm-hmm. and I have friends, common friends who are really happy about Amazon mm-hmm. and the culture they have. So it depends a lot on the individual mm-hmm. at that level, at that scale. If you're not L8 or L9, right? if you're not talking to Jeff, you don't really know what the culture is but it does seem it. Because majority of the people are still happy and still wanting to work in Amazon. It's not like a mass revolt happening, right? There have been times when we have all heard about different companies where people just want to leave it. I'm not going to say the names out. I mean, I'm not going to say the names out, even if I want to. But uh, there are things which Amazon does well. So just leave it on the culture, leave it on the bad bosses. There is. I think there is also a very uh, uh, employee founder culture fit yeah and and most of the people who have heard badmouth amazon are not very hardcore executors at least in my close circles so i think yeah, the dna know. of the company is so the truth is they move the metrics yeah, the truth is they compound year on year yeah. yeah the truth is their stock i don't think is overvalued hmm. and despite that look at the compounding that they have done so i mean a company with a horrible culture can't do such consistent growth over decades is what I'm trying to say. You know, bad culture can take you only so far. If it was really that bad, how would a company compound right. over 20-25 years? So, I think generalizing hardworking as a culture, like people have to kind of grind a little more, right? You can't just term it as a, you know, obviously like a bad culture. So I think I agree to your point. Like, obviously they've achieved like what what is the growth like in five years? I think they've multiplied the share by like Multiple, right? Like, but uh, I think one of the Google, Amazon, and those are the two stocks that have kind of moved in at least the tech the most in the last uh, five years. Let's get the exact number and put a ticker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that on that topic, guys, before we shift to the next one, I'm just surprised that no one on this on this pod has mentioned my wacky shirt. No, it's yeah. I'm like doing a lot of yeah. music. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Amazon didn't get into clothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't track fashion because they would not be able to make something as cool as this. Yeah. So fashion should be I think, guys, we were also talking about the future of uh, yeah, you know where Amazon will head. We should talk about that. We'll cut something in between now, which is stretching. Sure, stretching. So, who wants to take a who wants to take a call? Go on. Yeah. Read about this company called Altos Lab, I think, uh, something like that where uh, Jeff Bezos invested about in, you know increasing the life of uh, like human life personally like longevity well, per se so that is one place where I think all the billionaires actually think of you know going into whether it's neuroscience plus biotech plus you know so I think that's definitely one of the prime future <laughs> where Amazon will be heading to uh, or at least Jeff Bezos will be heading to I think Google also has something called Calico uh, where they invested a lot of money, it's mainly on anti-aging. Uh, they are trying to work with a lot of telemovers where they will uh, stop the oxidation of aging cells. And uh, and then, of course, like I, I feel there are three or four sectors where every mega billionaire is taking a bet. One that is anti-aging, space tech, then transportation, cheap and uh, energy. Four is definitely what I've seen. Yeah, because I mean. It also relates with what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with what Avdas said. Hundreds will be the new 60s is a terminology which is pretty common in Silicon Valley. And it's something which I've heard a lot of people say. Mm-hmm. 100 will be the new 60s. And look at all the billionaires, they're all 60s right now. <laughs> they do want to live 200 years of age. And continue with that same body strength and vigor, right? You don't want to kind of derail yourself. I think yeah. if we are aligned with that, then enough money pours into a problem, right? Sorry. Sorry. I'll tell you, I've boiled it down. I've been thinking about this. There are a few things in life that you have to do. Like running a company like Amazon. And then there are things that you want to do. Which is what Elon Musk does. <laughs> despite being a CEO. So I think now is the moment when he's jumping into things he wants to do. Like, yeah. I'm sure he would have wanted to do Amazon also, but not for 25 years. Now, you know, you can do things and probably do you that's why everyone does the same because everyone wants to do the same. Do you think that's that's the reason why you got a divorce? <laughs>
Like I said, people want to do things. Was it all planned? Now he did things, right? Like whatever it was, like he still has a girlfriend from that era. So all maybe not. Do you know that? I don't know. Is that the reason why he's suddenly become very vocal on Twitter and now he kind of holds Joe Biden accountable for what he says, right? So. Uh, Bezos has never been the kind of person who will bash some uh, public figures. Yeah, he's always very yeah. 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 Now he's gone all out of mind, right? I mean, he went all out against Trump, also, no? Yeah, yeah. So I think he started coming he out of the shell. Now coming out to what he actually wants to get to know. Bezos. Does he, does he have that kind of personality? Like Elon has that kind of personality that people will go on and go He's a South African living in the US. He's a flat alpha support him. I think there are enough middle class or low middle class Americans who hate Bezos because he really made them work hard in his centers. So, he gave them jobs though. <laughs> he gave them jobs but yeah. I think that's the audience who hates him. So, I don't think so he has the political bandwidth or the charisma to pull it off. Yeah. I never know. I mean, Political bandwidth or charisma is something which is built in today's day. Hmm. You guess we'll have to see. Perfect. On the next you call it here first, guys. Imanik is rooting for visas. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for Kanye West, by the way, for the American presidency. I'm rooting for Kim Kardashian. Like, we can do a bit side bit, guys, away from the camera. <laughs> what do you think she'll never win? I think That's she what they thought, thought about Donald Trump also. We're <laughs> betting on how uh, how lame can the country get. Yeah, yeah. The world is still keeping up with the. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we should we should keep uh, keep some topics for our country, India. Uh, so we all have known that we are having insane amount of layoffs, right? Not at all. So and all the all the good startups are blazing guns. Mm-hmm. On their own employees, <laughs> firing them. So what is happening? This uh, who wants to go for this? And it's just not the startups. Bigger players are also doing it. They're just doing it in a hidden manner. Very recently is when I got to know that there have been layoffs in a couple of the banks also. Some of the banks are also firing people. It's just not that it's out in the open yet. So can't reveal the source, can't tell who's doing that. But uh, there've been layoffs which are happening across the what industry. What level are these layoffs? I think it's been all across. I think it's just the cutting of the fat. Wherever things go tight, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to sit tight on it. So I think that's what's happening. So there's restructuring happening, and specifically the tech startups. Like let's just go there because. Uh, you heard of Ode, you heard of Lido. They shut down a few of them. Shut down. 10 million, right? Like, yeah. took 10 million and returned the money. Yeah. So that was Ode. Balls to the founder. Always respect returning the money back to the investor. Even Lido, Lido, Lido learning. That, those guys shut down. Then uh, Vedantu and Anakabini, I think they were just turning their facts. It was just before the winter comes where the funding is not easy to get, specifically at a unicorn level, right? Where the funding is tough, you want to make sure that it is sustainable for long and you have the bandwidth to do so. And how you do that is when you shed the fat off. So the first team which generally goes is the customer's, you know, research and user research is what I have heard. Mm. The user research is the first team to go. The next team that goes is the marketing, that's what comes down. Only thing which I think everyone is hoping from is that the tech salaries come under control because of these layoffs. I think EdTech was hit by yeah. both the sides, right? Like one is uh, obviously like during COVID, the kind of boom that they saw in their numbers, metrics, right? That was uh, something that no one uh, could even imagine, right? And like post, <coughs> I think once lockdown started opening up in 2022, uh, the metrics were pretty much flatlined. Uh, they some of them even saw some degrowth in in terms of month on month numbers of sales or anything that they're generating. So when you are, you know, obviously when you have taken growth multiples, keeping COVID numbers in mind, right? And then your numbers become flatline. Obviously, very difficult base to maintain. They probably will drop also. It becomes very difficult to raise around. Then you don't, and plus then obviously second situation, the macroeconomic situation altogether, right? Then you don't have any option but to cut down costs to kind of maintain that at least at the RPNL level to maintain some sanity, right? Uh, and yeah, I think marketing spends which is the primary to acquire users, the kind of discounting that was offered, that's the first one to go off. And then I think second is uh, the people cost that they start giving. It's the CAC also, right? CAC would obviously go down, yeah, but uh, that's because competitors stop doing marketing. Yeah, so no more IPL ads is what you think. So-
of course like of course laying off is never a happy news is a very sad news for overall and no founder in my known will ever think you know that they could ever reach that point so laying off is definitely a very hard thing for everyone not only for employees but also for the founders and when i'm trying to understand you know where this is coming from so we plan quarter on quarter with certain goals with certain growth metrics right and you get the team in place to address to that growth right so but when the as you said you know as in the last one month we have seen every bigger vc from you know early stage vc to sequoia to you know softbank everyone is uh sending out messages that you know guys recession is coming make sure you have enough cash in your bank to sustain so i think that's kind of trickle downs and team starts to cut off all the side project they were banking on or every kind of innovation research so it does slow down and but there's al- always also a silver lining you know that it is a kind of a recorrecting where whether it is the right hiring whether it is the uh, i would say the employees employability factor comes into picture and the skills that really matter so yeah i personally think that you know something is brewing and lot of companies have come out of this stronger and better what which next yeah, i have i just complete my take on this i have zero empathy for the founders i think it's just bullshit what what is this it's not a aws server that you scale down just because something has changed i understand the narrative where you say growth comes at a cost of inefficiencies like at the cost of efficiency that things do become inefficient when you are looking for exponential growth but i totally disagree that that inefficiency should be deal yeah like good one you hire the candidate saying you are playing the game of tickets then you fire at the first hint of a recession coming up not even fully here or arguably here Or long story short, why did you hire so many people in the first place if you didn't have a long enough runway? There are two points to that. One is you we all know what happened during COVID, right? Every tech startup so five, ten x, twenty x growth organically, cool, without even burning money, right? So either the founder and and I I wouldn't agree that I would have an empathy with the founders in this case because the founders are two choice. One either you go head on with the other fucker who is trying to burn in dollars. right and try to compete with them for market share that's one or uh, and they could only throw either brains at the problem or people at the problem they just decided it's easier to throw people at the problem that's why i don't have any i get it but, but imagine the taking time out to throw brains at a problem where you're already in a race where you know that it can be solved by throwing dollars over people why as a founder wouldn't you do it and now if the market is correcting recession is coming people would trim out the fat and things would, and not not only companies every every business operation inside the company would also trim so don't you think so it's a like a natural progression which uh, it's it's just a blip in the long long story and i mean if you and this has happened many times see, if you see yeah good but if you see top bottom it looks like a blip see the bottom up when you say 10% of the workforce was laid off good 10000 people were laid off okay 10000 people who were earning x lakhs per month were laid off the problems looks looks even more serious yeah. right every time someone is laid off it affect affects a lot of people behind right these people are the ones who spend that money on something which without part of my my counter question to you is elon musk just laid off 10000 people from tesla yeah that's announced right not announced yeah he's around around 10% probably right uh so would you support a founder so that he can survive his enterprise for the long term benefit of the world and the kind of change he's trying to make over this over this factor that he has to trim down of a certain fad at a certain point in time or would you go against him in terms of telling hey you are such a villain why did you do this you suddenly impacted the thousand people who you shouldn't have hired uh, and uh, uh, try to make him the villain or the evil enemy so what would you how, what what would your take be look so when the knife is to your throat then you do what you have to do my problem is ki why did it come to that stage why if see either you hire people saying at the first 
hint of a funding slowdown, you are the ones going out, or some of you are going out. But you hire them saying you are playing a decadal game. We'll give you stock options. We'll build this. We'll build that. Then your hiring plan is not at all aligned with your narrative. Yeah. Like I know about good companies who have, let's say, hundred million plus valuation. These people have a lot of workforce. Still have runways of like good seven eight years. Great man, have have that kind of a thing. Great did not fire anyone. because you didn't, you didn't plan your raise well in advance you didn't have enough runways your top line is still on the upward trend but you are piling i think that's the side but it's uncertainty right like someone might have planned their fundraise in let's say 12 months from now but now when they, now with the situation boils down the fact that they won't they're unfair like what will happen in 12 to 18 months they have to revise their plans now first thing probably there that happens is they were doing some let's say moonshot projects or some side experiments as growth experiments right they have to shut those down first right they were they were trying to create let's say in uh, initial verticals which would have given that growth boost right so they will have to shut down those because they were never their core businesses that could contribute or they were not yet let's say anywhere near profitability they were still figuring out those models so at this point probably it may logical sense to them to shut them down once they have the money or once the stability comes back they can probably restart a few of them but sir right? people have not gone out of moonshots people have gone out of the basic baus which was shut down the entire grocery business right it was something that was uh, almost they were yeah, trying so to figure out this is some kind of new initiative but but the major layoffs what i'm seeing is from existing running business and what the founders are trying to do uh, is definitely optimize their revenue per employee that is the only north star metric which every fund is looking at and uh, they're trying to optimize on the amount of money that the company is making yeah i mean yeah. which which company is saying if the company is early stage because survival is very important everything is justified okay my problem starts by i have this zero empathy for founders these are these founders who are like 100 million plus valuation founders is clearly not the problem you have hired people without a good plan you have hired people without a good runway and the first hint of slowdown you are finding i think this is still horrible planning moonshot projects were also built with the vision of decadal growth right suddenly how can i slow down then cut everything off because your planning was based on the fact that you are going to raise again in 2 years 3 years you don't need 7 8 years you hired wrong and then you fired wrong and then you spent so much of the company's capital and energy and focus on hiring people attracting them and then you fire that person it's if inefficient for the business itself yeah see i don't think uh, a lot of people have a choice also in that I sense both tesla sorry both tesla and coinbase had a long runway technically even a company called iir they have long runway then still they made off a lot of people so i don't understand is it that it is it to runway only or what is the thing going on when it's about laying off i agree with avinash on this this is where i wanted to actually come in also Then let's just talk not about founders or startups, right? What about established businesses? Anything which is a right to is not a startup. Tesla is not a startup, guys. We like the first half of the podcast we said Amazon is not a startup, right? I think everyone agrees Tesla is not a startup. I don't, but okay. I see what you are saying. Cool. Yeah. I Sorry, guys. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. China spot dog friendly. Okay, we start. So, if you can imagine that if whatever saying was if Tesla is not a startup, then what happens? If you don't consider like we should not give the leeway to public companies at all. We shouldn't look give leeway to the fact that you oh you know you're humongous and you're doing things which I mean Netflix fires ten thousand people tomorrow, right? Like because Netflix stock has been crashing and it's just going down and down and there are different reasons and they have been seeing a degrowth. Since the pandemic, and they've had different challenges and different visions. I don't see sincerity towards that founder because I think that can be planned out. Uh, but it's also the cycle of life. Some com- the Fortune 500 company changes every decade. Yeah. 
only the tech companies have survived to actually be there in two and a half decades which exist. So if every 10 years the Fortune 500 companies are different companies that exist, that means somewhere some people got fired and somewhere some other people got hired. Some places, you see, some, was some other businesses where the value got created, and obviously that means there were some businesses that created this value. But yeah, point taken, I think uh, the public companies will also kind of cut down their costs. At the end of the day, it's value to some shareholder, whether it's a VC, whether it's a common person, the retail investor, or you know, bank or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to, at this point in time, tell them that hey, you are doing, you're taking some action to make sure that the business health remains. Like at the end of the day, FMCG companies right now are absorbing all the input costs, right? Yeah. And there's an article that came out today that they've decided that they would not be increasing the prices of their uh, sachet products, right? Like two rupees, five rupees products, and they will not also be decreasing the grams per unit. So that means there's a business call a lot of FMCGs have taken that they are going to absorb the hit, right? Now that is not something that the business shareholder of that company would be happy with. The moment you hear that, there is no obviously a lot of selling. I think these stocks are falling down, and that those things will happen. The company will lose. So if I think if for a founder right now, and what position they are, what experience they have in such situations, they take a call whether they are okay taking a business hit or they want to react, make certain calls right now so that at least the business can have a longer runway. But on that note, just wanted to understand a little bit from you guys. Like obviously, edtech is one uh, I think industry which is. Uh, the layoffs have been at a relatively higher number, right? What other industry do you think would be one of the next ones to probably uh, you know cut down on costs? I have one in mind. That's why I'm asking the question. Oh. Financial. Financial. What do you think? Do you? I think all these grocery startups because they have exactly done what a bull market does: massively burn money, require a lot of customers, promise a ten-minute delivery. All of them have stopped that value proposition. Blinkit has stopped 10 minute delivery as a value prop on the app. Group, <laughs> the uh, big basket, I don't think they even tried it, right? Because at the end of the day, the entire, uh, you have to cover the cost of delivery, you have to cover the cost of warehousing a particular product with every order to become unit economic positive, right? When you make a habit of 10 minute delivery, you're actually making the consumer order smaller basket items, right? Yeah. But your delivery cost, logistic cost, Everything remains the same. It, it becomes even difficult for you to become unit economics positive, right? So, so one guy was arguing with me on this. He was like, you know, have you experienced a ten-minute delivery? It's so cool, right? And that's why these startups will work. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. We sell headphones. If I give it to you a headphone for free, yeah. so the experience is great. Then I give you a headphone and say, take hundred rupees from me also. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the greatest headphone company in the world. Exactly. Doesn't really work as a business. Yeah. Right? So, yes, right, right. So, looking forward. Uh, my question is Are you predicting uh, shutdown of these companies? No, or are you predicting that there will be massive layoffs from which department then? There will be course corrections, so. for sure. There has to be course corrections because the amount of money that these guys have burned opening so many dark stores, it's hardcore rental or hardcore upfront cash that has been locked in building those. Number two, the kind of offers that these guys, there was a massive, just like about one or two months back, right? They're still giving so many big offers for every order. And this unit economics can never be making sense at this scale. There will be a course division which will come in the form of marketing campaigns going off, or the areas, the delivery time will definitely work. It cannot be sustained at 10 15 minutes because they will be shutting down some dogs. Yeah, that's my opinion. What's up, Adam? I think the other sector is going to be very crypto. After this crypto winter coming in, so many projects are going to shut down and people will take the thing off from that as well. I think financial is the segment that I would actually want to discuss because we haven't discussed how loans have been given out in the pandemic. The more the loans are given out, the NPL will happen. And every time a crash happens, it's the financial. So you financials, you mean banks? banks. Yeah, because I think BNPL is backed by either an NDFC or a bank. I have a feeling BNPL will bust like. Like chickens, like what will ban operators or okay. And especially the people who have an offline force to go and for credit checking, going collection, uh, collection of their loans or EMIs, XYZ, because suddenly there is no credit left. When you have employment problems, the repo rates have, you have discussed repo rates before, hmm. but financial is the segment that's going to get hit. We have seen bigger banks even leaving India, the smaller big banks being over the past five years. I think almost every state bank of India, of a different state, has been integrated into an SBI. Mm-hmm. I am not sure of how they are doing their. I think know, the banks right now. I was just checking the the data was pretty strong as of now at least. Like the bank, uh, 
Bentir books, I think they have been the cleanest in what we saw for the last three, four years of the Asco Yeah, so I think most of the even the even the, 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 the government has mandated actually that you guys need to start growing and you need to start loaning out more because the guidebooks are so strong right now. And you need to start. So I think banks in the world would be okay, and BNP, I think. It's, it's a very small segment of the overall. I totally disagree with you. I think it's a fiasco waiting to happen. It's uh, 2007. The most is always a fiasco yeah. waiting to happen because <laughs> there is no transparency. <laughs> like, it's always the case. If I had a glass in my hand, which I do, but it's not liquor, I would have said cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to that, uh, since we were already discussing a lot of layoffs, I would uh, direct this question to Avinash. Um, uh, so, Avinash, uh, what can people do uh, uh, who are who are just entering the job market or who are somewhere in the middle of the job market and having midlife crisis because they've just been laid off? What should people be prepared for in terms of skills uh, that uh, they need to get or be or, or essentially uh, make themselves very savvy with so that they don't face a similar situation again? They're not the first to be laid off from the company and they're able to retain their livelihood. Uh, what kind of skills do you think will be absolutely essential for teenagers, kids or people entering the job market in the next 10, 15, 20 years and how do you see that evolving? Chirag, before we get into this, where, and uh, hear me out, I think we should give a segment for this as a news podcast in itself, where yeah. what we should do is like give a one liner each of what we think, but delve bigger into it. because. Then let's discuss education in itself, right? Like let's discuss everything which is happening there and move into what the I mean there was a better article of you and uh, Harari, you know, this guy who wrote Sapiens, had written about the 2050 and how the future of education would look like. Wow. And I would love to discuss that. And I mean there are more things to be discussed there. And just give a one liner quick about what we think should be important. One scale, right? Like and we can do it in a circle quick. Like what one scale is in the podcast here today. Sure, that would be very cool. I think uh, we all yeah, have a to be discussed there. And just give a one liner quick about what we think should be important. One scale, right? Like, and we can do it in a circle quick. Like, what one scale is in the podcast here today. Sure, that would be very cool. I think uh, we all yeah, have a to that now. Let's let Avanash. Yeah, let's Avanash start. Manik for first of all sabotaging it and then <laughs> saying, okay, now we can go. <laughs> Yeah, what are your thoughts? There's two things that needs to be looked into first. Uh, this laying off, whatever it is, temporary or uh, permanent phenomena, I think another discussion that always happens is about AI. You know, how that AI is going to eat up jobs, how automation is going to reduce the dependency of humans and the rise of machines are going to be there and uh, people will tend to lose more and more jobs. So that is definitely one whole different angle that always comes up. And the second is, that when you are hiring, what are the skills that people actually weigh the candidate on? So there was one recent article, uh, actually a research by America Succeed, where it was kind of a very elaborate research on the skills that really matter. They have done the job portal analysis of all the major sectors. And they realized that, you know, the soft skills became a very crucial part when making a choice, right? People no hard skills. I have myself been through a journey of engineering and product development. But when it's about those durable soft skills, that makes a lot of difference, right? Because on an everyday basis, how are you collaborating with your team? How are you communicating your ideas with them? How are you building your ideas on top of it? Sometimes it becomes a lot of important part of emotional intelligence that you have to entertain someone's point. Sometimes you have to put your foot down and, you know, make your point uh, heard in the crowd. So what I think personally with these three angles, AI being a job eater, I don't believe so. I think the skills which humans per se has is around how they work together as a social being. So, and the social and emotional skills, you know, the SEL, which is primarily called is the, is the most important parameter in this. And I think that that's something which you have to look into that machines will take a time to replicate that emotions first. So I think, I personally think that, you know, these skills that uh, will define whether you stay in a company or not as well, because then you can reinvent yourself very quickly. So this happens a lot, right? That whatever you are doing right now, that might not continue perpetually. 
you have to keep on reinventing yourself to make sure that that these skills keep you relevant for the company and for the society so if you like if i summarize all i think the durable soft skills will be the future in this space yeah, that's really true because i i i want to always felt that the last skills that are going to be disrupted is is going to be much more human like critical thinking decision making creativity how would how would a sentient machine which is conscious of itself uh disrupt these skills first i mean there's a long way towards consciousness and creating conscious systems so i think these would be the end of the or the, or the top of the pyramid before uh, machines become 100% self aware and we are in terminator again uh, so i mean uh, i will add to you guys i think that's the long term skill which should be taught and learning how to learn essentially how different mental models should be utilized and how you can use them in your daily life would be really helpful so understanding things from the basics in every subject is the key uh, i think there was a there is a like a lecture of richard feynman the great physicist who did the manhattan project so he did like a three pages of maths where he went from the very basic to the most extreme and the way he does it is understanding the logic behind everything and at any point of step if you remove the logic right and he goes from numbers to calculus and the whole arithmetic so if you do understand the basics you're done you you can form your own decisions you can map things out so how do you learn at a faster pace is what i'm thinking of but if you look at a very short term perspective because we are also discussing people who are laying off mm-hmm. if you're an engineer i think it's good to do data structures and actually start coding again coding is still going to be the in thing for the next 3 to 4 years which i can totally see beyond that i have no idea because the amount of no code platforms that are coming in that you will have to reinvent yourself again but if you are only looking for the next two months and you have to upskill yourself to get a job code yeah i think hard skills i i kind of agree i think it's either data science or machine learning in short term uh and soft skills in short term would be around i think uh, what what uh, kind of avinash was also mentioning right so around uh, communication how how you able to especially when you want to be out of job is very important how are you communicating how you working on soft skills because just because then you get an opportunity at least you are one notch higher in terms of making that interaction making that bond with the person is interviewing you uh for long term i think when when we talk about you know ai kind of merging it's, it's, it's super long term I think one skill that uh, that really or soft skills would be the ones that will sustain the most. Whether it's critical thinking, etc. One thing that I think would matter the most is how the human interaction kind of thing, right? How do you speak with the folks that are below you or people that you have to get it work done by? Those kind of how you form those bonds, right? Those are skills that are very difficult that an AI could ever take up, right? So those are the things that. actually play a very important role in how we all function as a company as a team right now just that we don't realize their importance <coughs> those who need this and those are skills that they may develop right people who don't have them they are actually not good leaders right and yeah. the results shows up so i think those are skills long term that uh, that could actually differentiate also agree with saransh product management product strategizing company management because i think doing work is one skill but getting work done is a whole different skill so totally agree with you saransh Paras, what's your view? Looking so, forward to it. So, like, rightly pointed out, layoffs. Reason keep changing. Layoffs still keep happening historically. So today it's because of X reason. Tomorrow it will be can be because of AI. In fact, it will be because a lot of it will be because of AI. So I'll give my both short term perspective and long term perspective. In short term, I think if you're tough to hire, you're tough to fire. It's as simple as that. Answering what do I do that makes me tough to fire. It's a trickier question to answer. A simpler question to answer is what makes you tough to hire. What makes you tough to hire is if you have a specific skill that is rare. So, having specific skills that are rare is something that would make you very tough to hire and at the same time tough to fast. So, you see what is it that everyone has and very few people do, which is value a lot. For example, PMs. If, if you go on Twitter, search PM, product manager. Probably you'll see hiring issues. So clearly something is happening. Why is so much hiring happening? Maybe because there are not enough quality teams available. Listen to what a CEO is struggling with. Every every founder has a problem of hiring, right? After after funding or alongside funding, it's the biggest problem. So what is it that they have a problem in hiring? That's a good perspective one where the specific skills are missing. Yeah. 
So this is a short term perspective. You can put your lens to it and figure it out. In the long term, yes, like you just pointed out, skills that are very tough to be replicated by an AI uh, will be very relevant. Creativity is my biggest bet on it. And when I say creativity, I don't don't restrict it to arts, performance arts. But I think cooking is also creative because there are just so many permutations and combinations to it. And Malik is a chef, so Malik would agree. So these things, my but and I understand like a lot of people say creativity is big, but I have a extended view of that that it will not be relevant to have those skills to be relevant in the world. Yeah. Like it's not for employability that you will need these skills. It is for sanity that you will need these skills. Yeah. Because if AI really takes over, like theoretically it's supposed to be, a lot of people, maybe including us, will lose purpose in life. Yeah. So when you lose purpose in life. Where do you find your purpose? You have to refine it. Suddenly, money making. What if money making is not the purpose anymore? Yeah. What do you do then? That is when intellectual creativity. You do podcast. You do dance. You do cooking. That's where your passions kick in. Right. Like, 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 Or no, maybe, but 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 summarizing what I said, uh, in long term, I think more than employability, sanity will be the reason why we will have to upskill ourselves. Hmm. And in short term, like I easily will yeah. have to buy something. That that just gives me an idea. We should definitely do a podcast <laughs> on futurism, where we are just going hardcore predicting the next thirty, forty year, fifty year trends. And we can take the industry, right? right? Like we can take towards yeah, industry. we can go industry by industry because this what you just said gave me the. Put me back historically, where as soon as we start to uh, buy all these tunnel-bearing machines, who would dig tunnels, right? People would people would think that hey, my shovels would be of no use, and I would go out of jobs. And then uh, and then it reminds me that uh, before industrial yeah, revolution, before the yeah. industrial revolution, the mayor said uh, who these people went to that hey, you're going to make us lose lose the job. So he said that hey, I gave you the shovels, I didn't give you spoons. Right, <laughs> and that would employ 10x more people. So, so I think people are definitely going to move towards a lot of creative jobs, where the kind of jobs they'll be uh, entering would be not for taking care of the machines, but much more towards taking care of fellow humans, because yeah. where for progress, at one point of time, I believe in the next millennia or so, we will be liabilities. Uh, rather than uh, humans would be liabilities and progress would be much more driven by machines until unless we merge together. Liabilities to who? Yeah. The planet. To progress. To progress. To progress. I think progress of consciousness. But who will be driving progress? Machines. Until unless we merge with them, and uh, then we become one. So I'm. I'm. And that is why I said we we should do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about time. I I wanted to go towards transhumanism, but I think we will. And I strike, I strike the right chords. Yeah, Paris. Again, cheers. Perfect. I think I think we've had a good one. On that note, guys, looking forward to your feedback and like, subscribes, and shares.